you can always decorate a beautiful space. Nowadays, it's so easy. Don't get caught up on the aesthetics first when you're designing a nursery or a child's room. First, think about safety and health. That's the most important thing to think about. You can always make a room cute, always. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Deborah DeMare about designing a home that is both safe and healthy for our family. We dive into how we can help eliminate harmful toxins and how to create a stress-free space that utilizes all of our senses so that we can feel more relaxed in motherhood. Before this episode begins, I just want to say thank you so much for listening, and I also just want to talk about an event we have coming up starting on November 1st. This event is for mamas who are either currently trying to conceive, are pregnant, or in the early postpartum stage, and may have some trauma in their life that they're looking to release. We go through 30 ways in 30 days of how to heal your trauma. You'll get a workbook, you'll get put in a group of other mamas who are feeling similar emotions, and you'll listen to the daily mini episodes of the podcast that correspond to this unique experience. I hope that you know that you are not alone in this and that you deserve this time to heal. My hope is for you to become more aware of yourself and the strength that you have in motherhood. Allow yourself the time to look deeper and heal so that you can be more present and look at motherhood in a whole new way. If you want more information on this, please go to the Entering Motherhood website or feel free to reach out to me with any questions. And with that, let's get this episode started. Hello and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm so excited to have you here today and really, you know, get started in this conversation. So how about you go ahead and introduce yourself? Of course, I look forward to that. My name is Deborah DeMare and I am a wellness and cruelty-free interior design consultant. I have been designing spaces now for about 20 years, long time. I became first a cruelty-free slash vegan designer, um, meaning that I stopped using animal-based products um, many years ago. And I did it initially for ethical reasons because we love animals in my family. We are very involved with animal rights. We have dogs. I'm on the board of Farm Sanctuary. I'm involved with PETA. Our life really revolves around animals. and. When I discovered the horrific treatment of animals for the skins industry, I just, um, I say once you see the dark side, it's kind of hard to go back. So I um, changed my firm to be completely non-animal based. So what happened was I quickly realized it wasn't only about ethics, it was about health. Because I started to learn that animal-based products are extremely toxic and extremely bad for your health. And I'm sure, you know, I had, if I really wanted to think about it, I say ignorance is bliss, but if I really wanted to think about it, how could leather not be filled with chemicals? It was the skin of, it was once on an animal. So it's basically a dead skin, kind of like I related to a scab that we have on our arm, right? You know, that scab gets really crusty and gross. And that's probably what a skin would look like from a cow or a dog or anything that's used for leather these days. Dogs are used for leather and it's called dog leather. 
So I realized that it was really about health and I just learned about all the hundreds and thousands of chemicals that are approved and legal to use for furniture, fabric, and decor. There's over 80,000 chemicals that are approved for the textile industry and less than 1% of them have been tested, but they're still legal to use. And you have things like lead and chromium and arsenic in your baby's sheets and in your baby's furniture and completely legal to use. That's kind of really how I started. I started just because I had opened a video on dog leather. That was really it. And just about the leather industry. And that just propelled me to get to where I am today and kind of uh, learning all about how to design spaces that promote good, optimal mental and physical health. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I think it's something that maybe sometimes is so overlooked. We don't we see these beautiful products and we don't really consider where it came from or what's going into the making of that. And you know, I think that's something to be like really passionate about. I have been, you know, vegetarian for years and then um I do eat fish now, so I guess I'm technically pescatarian. But it all started just like all the animal cruelty and and whatnot and everything that goes into that. And I was like, how can I be consuming this when I know like where it comes from? And like you were saying, just the dead skin, like the amount of chemicals that have to be put into that to preserve it, to be in a, a form that's usable and whatnot. Exactly. And, it, and it's not only leather. I mean, wool, you know. First of all, when you hear things like that, that they're now, you know, there's such slick marketing. When you hear responsible wool, now there's a new thing, responsible fur. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Wool is one of the most awful industries. The sheep suffer, their cows suffer for their leather, geese suffer for the down. Um, there's nothing that does not suffer. There is no way to humanely use an animal in such mass quantity, humanely. It's a horrible, horrible existence for these animals. It's a torturous death. And for the workers, it's also awful. I, I learned so much about just going non-animal based that it's spilled over into health. It's spilled over into laborers, how the laborers equally suffer as much as the animals do. The average tannery worker in India dies at the age of 55 from exposure to all these chemicals. So it just goes on and on and on. So yeah, and it's, it's really not even, so I always say, even if you don't care about animals, you care about your health, you have to really take charge and become your own advocate and learn. And that's what I love doing. I love teaching people about my design decisions for them and just for, for regular people who just want to know when the next time they go into a store, what to look for. Yeah, that makes total sense. So what advice can you kind of give us, you know, specifically if we're looking into our nursery for our babies and our children's rooms? Well, I think you have to look, you can always decorate a beautiful space. Nowadays, it's so easy. Don't get caught up on the aesthetics first when you're designing a nursery or a child's room. First, think about safety and health. That's the most important thing to think about. You can always make a room cute, always. And the, to me, one of the most important pieces, pieces of furniture in a nursery or a kid's space is their mattress. We sleep a lot. People spend a third of their life in, in bed sleeping. Babies can sleep up to 
75% of their first couple months is spent sleeping. Toddlers sleep a lot. The bed is a very, very key element to their health, mentally and physically. For babies, it's when their fragile bodies and brains are developing. You want them in as clean an environment as possible. Same thing for toddlers. So the crib mattress must be organic. It must be, for me, I say non-animal based because then it has, it's very clean. It must not be latex. Never buy a crib mattress made with latex ever. They're legal to sell, which is, in, which is absolutely preposterous because you don't know if a baby is allergic to latex. Adults know if we're allergic. So we don't buy things made with latex, like balloons, right? But an infant, you don't know if they're allergic. And, it, and they sell latex crib mattresses. Babies can die from an allergic reaction to it. So never get a crib mattress made with latex. You want to get an organic cotton GOTS certified crib mattress, G-O-T-S. That stands for the Global Organic Textile Standard. It is a standard, a global standard, that uh, demonstrates that the product is pretty much non-toxic, that it was created in fair trade working conditions, meaning that the laborers didn't suffer and they're watching out for their safety and they're getting regular wages because let's face it, in many of these countries, they're, they're not getting what they should be getting and their, their working conditions are horrific. That's, and it must be waterproof, but natural waterproof, not with any plastic. One of my favorite brands is Naturepedic. I love their crib mattresses. I love their bed. So that's the most important thing to look for is a crib mattress. Let's talk about paint on the walls. I'm sure many of us already are aware that there are paints that are dangerous. Many paints, they excrete a chemical, many, many chemicals, and they're called VOCs, volatile organic compounds. And if you buy a paint and it doesn't say low VOC, it has strong VOCs. And volatile organic compounds are the class of chemicals that evaporate into the air and it's called off-gassing. You might have heard that expression before. So these gases come off the walls. Even when the smell of paint is gone, they're still going into the air. So it doesn't mean that they're gone. And they're very, very dangerous. They're linked to many uh, physical and neurological impairments. So you don't want to get anything that has VOCs. Now, some paints have lower VOCs, such as a Faro and Ball, which is a great, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's a good paint company. I like their paints very, very much. So you can get that on the walls. If you really want to be careful, or really, really want to go non-toxic, you can do a lime paint like they do in Europe, which have no toxins, and it has that translucent look. But that's just a little bit more labor intensive to do. But you can do that if you really, really want to go. You know, wow, I want no toxin. Because remember, when a baby or a child is sleeping just as an adult, where our body's repairing itself, at night we repair ourselves. Our blood is cleansed. We're breathing slowly. Our body is very warm. So, whatever is in that environment, we're soaking in. Whatever is up against our skin, we're soaking in because our skin is like a sponge, it's porous. So, you want to make sure that the the mattress that you're using is safe and healthy, that the paint is safe and healthy. You want to install a fan, a ceiling fan. Statistics show that SIDS can be reduced by 72% with a ceiling fan. 
So I think that's an important item to have. I don't personally love the look of a ceiling fan. So what I say is get one that just blends in with the ceiling. If the ceiling's white, get a white one. And then around it, you can always do cute little happy things. I always love, you know, babies spend and kids spend a lot of times on their backs, right in bed. So I always, always put something on the ceiling that makes, that brings joy to the child. So whether it's a silly face or a, or a puppy or an animal or a, a picture of something that brings joy to, the, their, to them, put that on the ceiling. I think that's a really nice thing to do. As far as rugs, I suggest getting an organic cotton, a certified organic cotton rug, an inexpensive one because it's going to get ruined. We know with throw up and poopy and everything, that thing is going to get destroyed. So just get the cheapest one that's comfortable, but make sure it's organic certified cotton. And hopefully if it's got certified, there's another certification that's not as good as Scott's, but it's good. It's called the Okeotex certification and it's O-K-E-O-T-E-X. So that's a step down from GOTS, but it's better than no certification. So that's what I suggest for, for, for rugs. Don't get anything expensive. Needless to say, never get a wool, never get anything animal-based. Also, wool has a very gamey smell. So if you have a child with sensitivities, a child with the spectrum of autism or with any kind of um, processing issues or sensory difficulties, you never want to get anything animal-based as well because they typically have a stronger smell and, and many of the children in this population um, are very delicate to smells and textures. Wool also is very scratchy. It's, it's from a sheep. So that's rugs. Lighting, you want in a nursery or a child's space, you never want harsh white light. You never want fluorescent because it gives off um, a sound and it gives off a noise that is very disturbing to all of us. And it's not good for children. Even though you might not hear it, it's there. So you want softer lighting. And if you need lighting for reading, you can have your task lamps there as long as they're safe with the cords, you know, where a child can get to them. And as far as sheets, you have to be very careful with sheets as well. You have to make sure that the sheets you get are GOTS certified again and that they're GOTS certified if they're printed because you don't want to get an organic sheet. If it just says organic cotton sheet, but it's got dinosaurs painted on them. The sheet can be organic, but the paint they use, the print that they use for the dinosaurs, chances are is not, and it's very toxic. It's kind of like when you, they sell organic apples. The apple can be from an organic tree, but if they're putting red dye on it, is it still organic? So think about that with your sheets. So I say, you know, make sure that they're got certified printed sheet, maybe with vegetable dye. And those are like the basics, I would say. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I love how you said, you know, putting something on the ceiling that's going to be enjoyable for them. And we were in an apartment when our daughter was born and she loved staring up at our ceiling fan because the ceiling fans were dark and the, the ceiling was painted white. So she was able to, you know, like see the contrasting colors and that was really you know, amusing for her. So I think like you said, you know, they're lying on their back to sleep. They're looking up 
on the ceiling. So making sure to remember to incorporate something there for them is so important too. And, um, you know, that brings up a good point too. I was in an apartment for our daughter's birth. So what if you don't have a decision in, you know, the paint that's on the walls in your apartment or or maybe the, the rugs that are there or things like that? If you're limited to like restrictions of where you are living, what are what are some things that you can kind of do to help you know, you can't install a ceiling fan if there's not one available where you're living. Is there other things that can help? Sure. You could put a fan on a dresser or something that faces the crib just to keep the baby cool. It's about the baby not overheating. So that's another option. As far as paint, let's say the walls are already painted and you don't know if they're toxic. Chances are they are toxic. Um, what you can do is you can either, you can scrub the walls you scrub the walls with a cleaner like a Dr. Bronner. So something that's non-toxic, but a great, great cleaner. We actually have Dr. We have Lisa Bronner. She's in our nursery course. She does a whole module just on cleaning a nursery, like what to use, what not to use, how to clean. It's really interesting. So you can use like a soap like that and just scrub those walls, get rid of all the dust that's in there that you don't even see. And it can get rid of a little bit of a layer of the toxins. There's also, I'm going to send you, Sarah, there's, um, I forget the name of it. It's a primer that you can put over the walls once you clean them. It's a latex primer though, or is it silicone? I, I think it's latex. If it's latex, latex is not bad, but latex also, um, it's like a plastic. So whatever's behind it will, will stay there. So it can, if there's bacteria, it will, it will stay there and bacteria turns into mold and it also can permeate through the walls. So that would be the best thing if you can't. The other thing is to strip the walls completely with, you know, stripping it. I would suggest cleaning the walls and then getting a primer and then using a low VOC paint. That would That's what I would suggest for the walls. And I'll get you the name of that primer. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. It's You know, there's so many things that we don't really, like you said, you can make any room cute, but making it safe and like healthy for your family, like those are two things that I think, are, are sometimes like overlooked and it's, it's easy to make those adjustments and look for things. And you were saying with the certifications, is that something that's always printed? Is that something that's going to be visibly shown? Yes. Because it's especially, especially got certification because that's not, that's not an easy certification to get. So if a company has that on their products, they're going to be proud to display it. Okay. And if you remember, if you go, um, we have a nursery resource guide also that, that we offer that really gives a lot of the products that we like and that we think are the safest. Remember, the goal is the safest. Unless you're going to surround your child or your home in a completely hemp, you know, natural dyed white fabric or sheets, it's, you're doing the best you can. And that's what I always say. So I'm just trying to teach people about what's the best products that they, that they can get to create the most non-toxic ethical environment. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking this is going to be something that's very beneficial for moms because all that anxiety that you have, even, you know, as a first time mom or just a new mom, things are changing, things are adjusting. Like maybe since the last time you had a kid, you know, I think making sure that we're doing the proper protocol and, and research is lowering that anxiety and that stress that's really 
you know, caused by uh, all these chemicals and toxins and stuff that are being exposed to our baby and things that we might not be aware of. So what are some maybe like tips and advice to help reduce stress in your environment? You know, maybe some design ideas to incorporate in your bedroom, bathroom to really promote a stress-free environment. You know, I think as mothers, and I have several children, they're grown now, but it still never ends. My mother said to me when I was pregnant, she said, relish your sleep now because the day your babies are born, you will never sleep the same way. And you know what? She's absolutely right. I'm sure anyone (laughs) listening can agree, right? So we don't sleep. We're anxious. We're stressed. We work. We take care of our kids, our families. It's a lot. So I think that there's two spaces that, you know, you can really kind of create a little bit of a... you know, a breather for yourself. And one is for me, and I think I, I'll send you the link. We wrote a, a, an article on this on meditation spaces in the bathroom. The shower, stay in the shower an extra two or three minutes if you can. Use products that are ethical, clean, and smell good and stay in the shower. You can even put a little aromatherapy in there. I love uh, public goods. I'll send you the link. We have a video on public goods. Their products are wonderful and they get delivered to the home. And the containers are reusable. They're, they're such an awesome company. Like certain companies I love so much, I love to promote them because I think they're great. And so I think in the bathroom, you can create, if you can, without the kids being in there, if you can stay in the shower an extra two, three minutes with the products you like, keeping the soap on a couple extra minutes, just simple things, but the smell, it's that sensory experience. The water, the shower, the lovely smell of the products that you're using. Use that as a time just to breathe and reflect, almost like a mini meditation. I try to do that in the mornings as many days as I can before my day starts. Just a couple minutes. We don't have more than that. And then the bedrooms, just like I talk about nurseries and kids' spaces, the same rules apply to the master bedroom. Your bedroom, that needs to be a place that has good energy. You know, the wonderful thing about using things that are non-animal based is that I say there's no blood or tragedy attached to them because I am a firm believer in energy. And I think that what you bring into your home, that energy is going to permeate throughout your home. So if you bring in something that is a result of despair, well, that's not a good thing to bring in your home. You want your home to be a place where it embodies happiness, good health and strength. So think about your purchases. Is this purchase from a positive place? Is this a good thing? Did workers get harmed? Is it helping the planet? Is it ethical? And is it something that I like? And is it non-toxic? So in your bedrooms, the same thing. Your mattress is key. You want to make sure you get a mattress that is God certified, non-toxic, a mattress like a nature Peter. They even make vegan mattresses that have no wool in them. You don't want wool. Wool is terrible. Cotton. Easy. Comfortable. Mattresses are a bit, these mattresses are a bit more expensive than another kind, like a Casper or something, but you never want to get a foam mattress. Stay away from foam. Foam, there's there's a certification called the Certi Pure for Certification that says the mattresses don't off-gas. Well, that's not true. They still off-gas, but less. Foam is dangerous, so stay away from foam. As far as pillows, same thing. You want your bedroom to be a place of good health and calm. 
For pillows, I would suggest latex pillows or buckwheat pillows. Buckwheat are great, I think, for women. I'm older than you. I went through menopause and the hot flashes. Buckwheat pillows are terrific. They're made with hulls and you can make them thick and you can make them firmer or mushier. They're completely organic. They're non-toxic and they're terrific and they're, they last forever. All you do is change the hull. They make a little noise, but you get used to it and it helps your neck. It like it contours to the shape of your, your head. It's wonderful. I'll send you a video on that. So I suggest buckwheat or I suggest latex. Again, organic latex. Don't get latex that's not organic because then it's got, uh, it's man-made and it's most likely got petrochemicals in it. You want to get organic latex. So those are the two pillows that I would recommend. And the same thing for sheets, clean, non-toxic, got certified. And I believe that bedrooms, in all my years of decorating, I find that the the calmer looking the bedroom, no clutter, clean, simple, is the best type of space. So you can still have, if you're someone who likes classic and traditional, loves busy wallpaper, you can still have that. When I mean clean, I mean that it's not cluttered and that it's not overdone. You want things that you don't want to be able, you don't want to look at the dirty laundry basket when you're in bed. You don't want to look at the pile of work you have to do. The bedroom must be a place that you separate all that, especially for moms. I mean, we have to grab sleep when we can. And having those things, having that clutter, a cluttered, a cluttered space is a cluttered mind. So having all those busy things and things that are stressful in your space, in your bed, is very negative energy. I also believe that when you wake up in the morning, just like on the ceiling for children, I believe for adults, that I don't like to step on a bare floor because I feel that that's a very negative way to start your day because we also, adults, we're all sensory beings. You must have some sort of little runner or carpet so when you put your foot on the ground in the morning, it feels nice and good. You want to start your day positive. Little things, but I think they're very important. Yeah, I think it's so important to really be taking in all of our senses. Because, you know, you can look at a picture of a room and it can look really pretty and everything's put together. But if it's not giving you that all around sensory experience, I think that's what's like ultimately you know, changing the environment of the space and, and making that difference because if it smells good to you and then, you know, even if you're thinking your baby, like limit the senses, you know, the, the smell and like lower that, um, you know, maybe baby doesn't like like super aromic candles or oils going and things like that. So making sure that we're being, um, you know, like conscious and considerate of those things. And then, you know, just bringing in all of our senses. And like you were saying, even like the touch, the feel of the fabrics and, you know, make sure maybe you spend a little bit more on a fabric that's going to be more comforting and, and healthy for you, you're going to see those benefits. So like where in your experience have you really seen, I guess, what sense is, is most important other than the visual aspect of a design? That's a good question. I don't know. It's, it's a combination of everything, but I think the feel, 
it's funny, like when I when I go into the fabric showrooms looking for fabrics for clients, I must look like a little cuckoo bird because I close my eyes and I rub the fabric on my cheek because to me, it has to feel really good. Like I do not get fabrics for my clients that don't feel good. It has to feel good, like it has to feel good. If you have a child with autism, well, then we decide on the kind of feel. Maybe he, need, he or she needs stimulation. So maybe we're going to do nubby fabrics mixed with soft fabrics. So it's really about what are your needs? You know, we're all, we're all unique. We all have our own thumbprint. So it's like, you so you know, I see these pictures in Architectural Digest and this and that, and hey, you know, I was in Architectural Digest. I'm thrilled, you know, but it's like we're trying, everything is cookie cutter. Like it's trying to fit square pegs in a round hole. You know, you see these beautiful spaces and a lot of them are beautiful, but they're not realistic. Just like when we see celebrity nurseries. You know, those nurseries probably took two full days of setting up and filming those nurseries. You know, and so it has to be what fits for you because we all have our own thumbprint, all of us. Some of us like to sleep in pitch black rooms. Some of us, like me, like to wake up with natural light. You can't, I can't force someone to wake up to natural light if they want to sleep in a pitch black bedroom. Even if I say, no, it's healthier for you. This, I want to sleep in a pitch black bedroom, you know? Okay, that's what you want. You know, I want to place the bed in a certain way that I believe is good psychologically. No, that person wants it in another direction. I can't stamp my feet. No, 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 this is the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's what you feel. I love that. And how about, you know, I think as we shift into motherhood, a lot of maybe what we used to prefer is now different. So, you know, maybe we created this oasis of a master bedroom before baby and now baby comes and we're like, this is all wrong. What are, you know, some simple things, you know, you were talking about the bed and the sheets, but maybe we don't want to replace everything. What are some simple transitions that we can slowly start to progress if the room no longer fits us? And even with our children, you know, going from a nursery to a children's bedroom and beyond, you know, what are some of like, I guess, the most simple ways to really be making those transitions work for us? I say, you know, I have this on my on my computer. The only constant is change, right? So I think you have to think, first of all, like children's rooms, which kind of blends into, especially if your children sleep with you in bed, I think of our rooms as transformers, <laughs> you know, um, a nursery, especially. I am always someone who prefers buying regular furniture for a nursery and throwing a changing table on top of it, because in a couple of years, you can use that dresser and that dresser can last your child till high school. And furniture is expensive. Even if it's cheap, it's expensive because everything adds up. Cribs, get convertible cribs. Chairs, when you get a rocking chair, make sure it's a nice cushy chair that you could see sitting in that chair for the next 15 years. Because in a couple of years, you'll probably move it out of the nursery and it can go maybe in the living room or in a family room. So think of furniture for longevity. That way, when you, when you transition it, there's still staple good big pieces. That's why I always say buy your big pieces first. And in a nursery and toddler's room, simple is best. And if the room looks bare at first, better. Let it look bare because you know in a year that room is going to have more toys and stuff around it. So it's okay. If it looks a little bare in the beginning, so be it. And if you, if you have a dresser or you have a nightstand or a little table, 
and you want to you want to give it a theme. I'm not a theme lover, but I but I say if your child wants a theme, do it in small pieces and inexpensive things, a little lamp, little knobs, whatever. You can always then repaint things. You know? So think of when you're buying your furniture, think of it for long term and where can it be used in other spaces in the house eventually. You know, you don't want to spend a lot of money on a car bed for your child. Because guess what? Next year he's going to say, I'm not into cars and you just spent $2,000 on some stupid bed, right? So be practical and, and, and don't think about the, the celebrity glossy spaces that you see on, on, in, on Instagram and in magazines because those are really not real life at all, at all. I love that. So you being a mom yourself, uh, do you have any other, you know, this can be outside of design. What other advice would you really give new moms or even just kind of like words of wisdom, things that you've learned over the years? What would you have liked to hear as a new mom or what did you enjoy hearing and uh, really stuck with you throughout motherhood? Two things. Normal is what works for me and my family. And let your child fall. I remember when I was at the pediatrician, my, I have twins, and they were maybe two years old. And one went to fall and I you know, ran. And the pediatrician looked at me and he said, can I give you a bit of advice? You know, he was British. And I said, sure. He said, when you see your child fall, count to 10 slowly and see if they can get up on their own. And that was really good advice because it's letting your children fall, learning how to become independent. And you're always there for them, clearly. But let them fall. Let them learn how to fail smart. Because if we coddle our children too much, they won't learn to fail smart. And they won't be independent thinkers and their decisions will continually be misguided. So that's one thing. A good one. Someone told me this. One. Oh, there's another good one. The way you communicate with your children now from when they're babies, that thread is the same thread that they're going to have when they're 10, 20, 30, 40. So if you're someone who believes in spanking your child, try spanking a 16-year-old, your 16-year-old who's six foot two and on the football team when you want to discipline him. So the way you communicate from when they're little, that's going to be the thread. So think clearly how you want the respect to be between the two of you. That was a really good piece of advice I got also. Not that I ever spanked my children, but it was just I heard a psychologist talking about them. I'm like, that's really good advice. And normal is what works for you. Because I remember this, you know, I had my twins and I was so happy with them. I wasn't working yet. I didn't work till they went into first grade. And I was happy with the two of them. They had each other and every day we play and we do and you know whatever and it was exhausting but I loved it as we all are exhausted in those first couple of years and I remember I was a young mom and all these people were putting their kids in these little like preschool and they were like three and I remember I was like okay I'm going to put them in preschool or whatever it was called they were three years old and I put them there and I was miserable they were crying hysterically it was so bad that when I would drive in the morning they knew the drive and they would start crying and after about a week and a half, my husband looked at me and he said, you know, you can take them out. I'm like, what? He goes, take them out. I'm like, I could do that? He's like, what do you care? 
I remember I ran to this guy <laughs> and I learned, you know what? I don't care. It's what works for me and my family. You get so caught up. And that was a really good lesson for me. Don't get caught up in the crap. It's what works. And if it doesn't, and if people, the ones that mock or whatever, then okay, they're not for you, you know? So I think that was a good lesson for me too. Yeah, I think that's so important, you know, especially something to learn as a new mom. We're kind of like infiltrated with all of this noise of like what it should look like and what works and this and that and what you should do. And it's kind of like, you know, if it's working for you, then that's good. And, you know, whatever that looks like. And it's funny that you talked about like preschool and everything. Rosie, my daughter, she has been out of you know, school, she started when she was only nine weeks old because I had to go back to work. And so she was there for uh, almost a year. And then um, we pulled her out for the past year. So now she just started this past week. And every day that I've gone to pick her up, it's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. And she goes, (laughs) I missed you today. And she's never said that. So for her to just be like, I missed you today. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my heart. (laughs) But, you know, it's crazy. Like, they're so little, but they're so aware of themselves and really what's going on. We have a lot to learn from children. Mm -hmm. They're pure. Yeah. They're not... They don't see the noise. Mm-hmm. They ground you. Yeah. 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 So I think it's really special, you know, to be able to like, but she has fun. You know, she said like, I said, what's the favorite, like your favorite thing that you did today? Friends, friends, kids. Like she likes seeing the other kids and the interaction. And I know that like she's enjoying that. So then that's, then it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, Sarah, you're going to have guilt. I know. <laughs> Here's another bit of advice. The guilt never goes away. <laughs> no, don't spend time and money on getting rid of the guilt. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been so fun talking with you and really like, you know, digging into everything that goes into, you know, more so than, you know, just the visual aspect of our rooms and, and the spaces that we create. And I think it's something that like every everyone needs to know and especially moms, like making sure that that space is is toxic free and, and healthy for their babies and for themselves, I think is is a huge component that, you know, we need to be looking into. So how can we reach you, get in contact with you and, and everything like that? You can go to my website, Damari Design, and you can contact me there. My direct email is Deborah at Damari Design, and sometimes things go to spam. So maybe the best is the contact. Um, I have a Facebook group, which is great. And I'll send you that link. Um, my Instagram handle is Deborah Demare. And um, as I mentioned to you, we're going to give away a free virtual design consult, which is a $580 value. And we're also going to give 25% off our um, chemical and cruelty-free babies and nursery design course, which is led by me and a group of five experts. And it's two hours and it's awesome. And so if you use the code that I'm going to give you, you get 25% off that. And so that's, that's my spiel. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. So nice to speak with you. 
Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.